Good afternoon. All right, we are told not to angst about our practice, to to um, not question and not press into our practice, but to have the confidence that it works. But it's a legitimate question if it has worked for thousands of other people in history. Why isn't work? Why isn't it working for me? That's a legitimate question, because it, as opposed to worrying about it, it requires analysis. And this is what we're going to do today. So the Buddha has a teaching called the Wildernesses of the Heart which goes into specifics about why the practice doesn't work for people who are not working it correctly. And so I'd like to mention some of these hindrances today so that if it resonates with you, you will change. You will make a change in your own practice. That's what it's about, self-adjustment. He starts out by saying that any disciple who has not yet abandoned five wildernesses in the heart and not severed five shackles in the heart should come to growth, increase, and fulfillment in this Dharma and discipline is impossible. So he's saying there's some things if you don't do or you do do that your practice will not bear fruit. And what he's basically talking about, in my opinion, is a very specific list that deals with the five hindrances and the three root calaces. And the five hindrances are greed, hatred, sloth and torpor, restlessness and remorse, and doubt. The three root calaces or roots, roots of host unwholesomeness are greed, hatred, and delusion or doubt. So he, he himself tells us that if you still got these things in your mind, your practice isn't going to work. So he talks about doubt in the teacher, doubt in the training, doubt in the, in the philosophy. He talks about anger. And he talks about greed. That those who are not free from lust, desire, affection, thirst, fever, and craving for sensual pleasures, things that come in through the sense gates, that the mind does not incline toward order, passion, devotion, perseverance, and striving. And this is why it doesn't work. Because we're missing that energy, that dynamic. 
Now, in my opinion, the world reality, samsara, gives us daily opportunities to practice ridding ourselves of these hindrances, if you will, and embracing the energies that will cause us to be successful in our journey in life. In Christian scripture, it tells us that we should love our enemies and pray for those who persecute and despise us. And that gives us a great template. So, who prayed for the kid in Jacksonville that shot somebody up and shot himself up, shot some other people up? Who prays for Trump? Okay, good. Again, all of these are opportunities for us to go inside our own mind and heart and find resistances and, and, and tightnesses and constrictions and, and find our own arguments for why that person, that group, that tribe does not deserve my compassion. But what we're talking about re in reality is that we are denying ourselves and the world our compassion when we withhold it from anything or anybody. Remember, we can't hate and love at the same time. It's impossible. I can't love you and hate someone else at the same time. So when I make a decision to close myself off from any person or any group, deny my compassion to any person, any group, that I deny my compassion and my love and my kindness to everything. It doesn't work. All of the wisdom paths tell us that it doesn't work. This is not the way to do it. This is not the way to practice. So, it tells us in this sutta to abandon these things, to let them go, to take the opportunity to love those and console those who are lost because that's the reality of their own journey. They have disconnected with their heart. They've never been in touch with their heart for whatever reason. But what we should be in that moment is grateful that we're in touch with our own hearts and to share our hearts and our love and our compassion with those that are obviously misaligned with or distant from their own love and compassion, that we share ours with them, that we counter our own arguments for withholding our love for someone or something or somebody and override that intention to say, they don't deserve my love, and give it to them. Override it and give it to them. That takes energy, that takes will, that takes an abandonment of hating, disliking, judging, 
we're actually not working on them, we're actually working on ourselves, benefiting our own selves. So hopefully in the future you will not miss the opportunities to develop your own compassion in your own heart by watching that argument in the mind when it says, no, not him or not her, or how could they, or they don't deserve, they're evil. So the idea then is to research your own mind and heart and find those hindrances that may be present and then abandon them. Abandoning has a visual. The word abandoning has a visual. When we abandon something, we no longer carry it in our minds and hearts. We no longer pay attention to it. Abandonment means to turn our back on. And so we have to literally and figuratively turn our back on the things that we know do not promote unity and love and kindness and well-being in the world. To simply say, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to do the opposite of that. Abandoning what is what is present, what I'm holding on to, what I've practiced forever and embracing another modality. He also talks about developing or cultivating the four bases of spiritual power, that these two things, abandoning hindrances and cultivating or developing the four bases of spiritual power. And these four bases of spiritual power are concentration due to zeal and determined striving. He develops the basis for spiritual power consisting of concentration due to energy and determined striving. He cultivates the basis for spiritual power consisting of concentration due to purity of mind and determined striving. And he develops the basis for spiritual power consisting of concentration due to investigation and determined striving. So we hear these influences of energy. You know, we talk a lot in Buddha and Buddhism about desire and striving and how that's a bad thing. But there's also the reality that we need to have energy in our determination. And we have to have determination and energy in our practice that makes us sit on that cushion, that makes us override our intention to hate someone or to judge someone and to give them the benefit of the doubt. But I'd like for you to take one thing at a time. Work with the hindrances first. Examine your mind and heart and see whether you find any of the hindrances there. Again, the hindrances are 
greed, anger, sloth and torpor, restlessness and remorse and doubt. Doubt in the teacher, doubt in the Dharma, doubt in the Sangha, doubt in the training. Any of those things can cause us to vector off our our goal, miss our intention. There is, there are reasons why we don't see the light. But once we remove those obstacles, those hindrances, those obscurations, the light is easy to find. There's this resistance to breathing, respiration. And I'm saying abandon that resistance. It is the easiest thing that we can do, that's breathe. We can breathe while we're asleep. It doesn't get any easier than that. So when you're looking for something to do, when you're looking for a tool, a meditation tool, a concentration tool, breathing is the easiest thing because I don't have to even be conscious to do it. And when I enter into the exercises with that view that this isn't hard at all, this is something I can do in my sleep, it will that you will find the whole body melting and you will relax into it. You won't struggle with it. You won't find excuses for not wanting to practice it. So, wilderness in the heart, shackles of the heart, the hindrances to concentration, And what you saw in the reading was that you cannot develop the spiritual basis of power until you develop concentration. So, you cannot develop jhana until you develop concentration. So it's important to get that very basic step out of the way. And that just simply means being with to the exclusion of anything else. And this is a great tool to have in molding your own practice and your own intention of heart because it gives us that power to change the channel in the mind-heart when it goes to, oh, they don't or they shouldn't or they're despicable, or they're unlovable, that we can immediately switch from that state of mind, state of heart, to a more loving. We have the power, the concentration, to focus on what we want to focus on. Not what they did, but what am I doing? And this is some of the power that concentration gives us in a real sense, in a real time. 
Okay, any questions? Um, I think, well, what's hard for me to understand mm -hmm. is the sensual pleasures mm -hmm. piece. So if we're not li living a monastic life and we're going about the day as usual, I'm just not understanding okay. how to let go of that. Okay. So the fundamental aspiration of the practice is freedom, liberation from suffering. And so then we understand, first of all, why we suffer. It is not the sensual pleasures that make us suffer. It is our clinging to the sensual pleasures that make us suffer. When we can enjoy the moment, the butterfly, the pretty person, but allow that person or that butterfly to fly by without grabbing on and clutching, then we have no attachment to sensual pleasures and concepts. And so therefore we do not suffer because of that experience with sensual desire or pleasure or beauty or concept. Thank you. Um, I was listening to one of Panyawati's talks. Okay. And she was talking about spiritual companionship. Okay. How you and her are great spiritual companions. All right. And so I'm sure and I'm assuming if one of you left us, that would be very devastating. You mean to go to the store or? <laughs> <laughs> Went on to the next adventure. Okay, the next adventure. I'm just saying. I understand. Um, I'm sure that would be very devastating for either of you. Is that grasping or clinging? Yes, it is. Okay. And so therefore we won't do that. Oh, you won't? Okay. I mean... This philosophy teaches us something about samsara or reality. It first of all teaches us the truths, the laws, the physics of this dynamic. And it, we're asked to develop the wisdom to accept those truths and to not argue for and against those truths. So one of the things we know is impermanence. That includes everything, everything in conditioned reality, and we are conditioned. That ultimately and eventually, this idea of me will expire. And that's the law. And there's no amount of wailing and feeling sorry and pleading and praying will make it different. So why bother with that? It's not that you don't care. You know, it's not that you don't care that the person is no longer with you or walking beside you or partnershiping with you. It's not that at all. It's just you understand everybody takes this journey. Everybody comes in, everybody goes out. And we and you know, that's that's just the rhythm, the cycle of the reality that we exist in. Why argue against that? You know, the wisdom dictates that we don't argue. 
because whether we do or not, it's going to happen. No matter how much money we put in the in the collection plate, Donna Bowl, no matter how many prayers we say, no matter how many wishes we ask for, it's going to happen. You know, and usually, or most often, it happens at the most inopportune time. It is not accommodating. I mean, look at the young kid who was shot in Jacksonville. He went to a gaming show. Do you think he thought he was going to die? No, not absolutely not. 22 years old. So, we learn from observation and we see that there's no rhyme or reason there's no figuring out when it happens when it happens you know but as i've always said and you've always heard me say those events are not about morbidity it's about preciousness and so most of the time we spend in our lives, we spend half of it with discrimination about pushing away, being angry at, not wanting to see you today, hating you, you know. But when we really get the picture about how it really works, then we realize that all of those times that I pushed you away, I could have spent holding your hand and embracing the moment with you, enjoying it, learning together, helping others to see. That's partnership. When you go, you go. But in the meantime, we didn't waste one moment on foolishness, on anger, on hatred, on judgment. And I guarantee you that if you spend your life in relationship that way, when the time comes to say goodbye, there will be no frustration because you've, you know that you've done it well. You've spent every, every moment just as you would have. You don't have anything to make up for because you've done it in the time that was given to you. And you're grateful for that. You're thankful for that. Thank you for the question. Okay, everybody's good? All right. Mindfulness of body. There are some expressions of teaching that say mindfulness of respiration and respiration is created by body so we're talking about body. But there's another way you can look at it. And that is that you're using the feeling tone to locate respiration. So you're using the body to locate the position the position of respiration. So I know that I am 
depositing awareness here because this is where I feel the breath moving in and out of the nostrils. But the reason I'm feeling it is because it's touching my body. Yeah? Okay. So I am making contact. I am putting my awareness on the touch, where the touch is located on the body. Now, some schools of meditation teach you to work with the abdomen, the the movement, the up and down movement of the abdomen. And if that works for you, and you are developing a a condition of access meditation, then that's fine. Whatever works is fine. Don't spend a lot of time struggling with it, though. Doesn't take years to do. Doesn't take years to accomplish. Doesn't take years to experience. Always be willing to go in and modify, question, tinker, adjust. Because as Amy asked the question, we don't have a lot of time. And that's not to scare you. That's just to say don't waste time. So, wherever it is that you're comfortable with putting your awareness, your attention, your consciousness, your mindfulness, any word you want to use that addresses that. Make yourself okay with it. It's not important what you call it. What's important is that ultimately you experience luminosity.
very good. Um, one of the functions of concentration is to minimize and eliminate mental effluence or thoughts or thinking. And what we know is that whether we're thinking good thoughts or not good thoughts, it creates agitation in the body. So when you are thoughtless, there is peaceful abiding, and that's what you're gifted with. And one last thing, we're all spiritual partners. Even Big Jim back there. Love you too. Okay. So thank you all for coming. Thank you for having such a quiet stillness about you, presence about you. Um, remember, even Trump is our spiritual partner. Now, I wouldn't elect him president, but he's my spiritual partner. And I don't have anything against him. He's just not qualified. He's a big baby. He pouts a lot. I wouldn't take him through the checkout aisle that has the candy in it. It was him. <laughs> but I love him. Okay. Be safe out there. Smile at a stranger. Abandon all suffering. Enter the light. Thank you so much. We'll see you soon. Peace.